1: Welcome back to Bashamania, the podcast with the best wrestlers in the country and the world. This is episode 17. Today, we switch course a little bit. We're sticking with wrestling, but we're navigating into WWE waters a little bit. Jerry Briscoe is on the show today, a former Oklahoma State Cowboy. Jerry Briscoe is a WWE Hall of Famer and current talent scout for the WWE. Jerry actively recruits talent in this context especially from the ncaa wrestling scene and our paths crossed because we're both adamant about who's up and coming we're both obviously really big ncaa wrestling and college wrestling fans i am pumped to talk to a living legend and to be able to bring the conversation to you guys without further ado let's get into today's show it's special All right, guys, let's get Jerry on the phone. But before we do, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, trust me, there are going to be more good episodes. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Stitcher, you name it. Wherever is convenient for you to listen, we're probably there. Go ahead and subscribe. And not for nothing, if you do subscribe, let me know. I want to thank you, and it means a lot to know you guys are subscribed to the show. Mr. Jerry Briscoe, how are you?
0: I'm doing wonderful. Appreciate you being on your show.
1: Oh, I'm so happy to have you on. I, I grew up a diehard WWE fan. I grew up a diehard wrestling fan. I wrestled through through middle school, high school. It was never any good, but I loved it. And I actually got started in, in JV wrestling and modified back in 96, 97. And that was right around one of my favorite times in all of pro wrestling the attitude era and i of course remember the stooges storyline which was hands down Uh, one of my favorites mine (laughs) too definitely so let's go back a little bit um kind of want to navigate through a few different areas here Starting back in the early days, you, you got started wrestling in high school. What got you started in amateur wrestling?
0: Well, actually, I, I actually started uh, 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 youth wrestling when I was seven, eight years old. And uh, I grew up in a little town in, in Oklahoma called Blackwell, Oklahoma. Our, our, our main rival was Perry, Oklahoma. Of okay. course, who's from Perry, Oklahoma? Dan Hodge.
2: Yep. one and only
0: Dan Hodge. Well, I got to see Dan, I've, I've really been blessed because I've, I've seen so many of the greats. I, I got to see Dan, of course, wrestling and, uh, at OU. And, uh, actually it, it kind of wanted my brother and I both to go to OU in the beginning because of Hodge and he grew up, he grew up in a little town, like 15 miles away from us. So we are almost like neighbors and, uh, and nowadays it would be neighbors, you right. know, but, uh but uh he was a major influence on me and i like i said i i entered from my brother jack was who was an NCAA champion at Oklahoma state at one ninety one uh in nineteen sixty five he i believe he lost uh one match in his college career and that was wow. the, his junior year in the national finals and uh to harry Huska, a long time ohio university coach uh that was the only guy that beat jack in college jack left school a year early uh, because he'd gotten married and had uh three kids at the time and he left school a year early we didn't have have anything my mom was a single mom with six kids and uh so he left school and then and uh and because of danny hodge's influence seeing danny hodge's danny Hodge's turned pro wrestler there in oklahoma shortly after his uh his uh his amateur career was over with and uh and we, we grew up watching, uh, watching Hodge. And when Hodge jumped to pro, that's my brother said, not nah, that's what I'm going to be. And I was still <laughs> in school wrestling at the time in Oklahoma. And so, um, uh, Jack went on to Oklahoma state and became a, a national champion. And, uh, part of the reason he went to, uh, Oklahoma state, like I said, he wanted to be a, a OU guy because of, of, uh, of Hodge. But, yeah. uh, Bud Wilkinson was a football coach at, at OU. And, uh, and uh, he offered Jack a football scholarship where he could wrestle also. So Jack said, "I'll take that." But Jack Jack's dream was become a pro wrestler. So Myron Roderick was coached at Oklahoma State University uh, during that uh, during that time frame. Well, Myron had learned that Jack wanted to be a pro pro, pro professional wrestler, so the promoter in Oklahoma by a guy by the name of Leroy McGurk was also an Oklahoma A&M two-time NCAA champion. And so, uh, uh, Jack had signed a football scholarship, as I said, with Bud Wilkinson. So, uh, my Ma- Ma- called uh, Leroy McGurk, who was the promoter, like I said, over there and that Danny Hodge actually worked yeah. for. So, uh, rodrick uh, told, uh, uh, McGurk about Jack and uh, Jack wanted, uh, to follow Hodges' footsteps, but he would go to OU and he wanted him to be a cowboy. And uh asked Leroy if he had to help and Leroy said, I'll tell you what, I'll give him a call, and tell him if he goes to OSU I'll I'll sign a contract the second he gets out of school and ready to ready to be pro, he's got a job.
2: Wow. So Leroy
0: called my brother. My brother immediately uh, uh he just signed a letter of intent and it jumped out of that letter of intent for football and signed a letter intent for wrestling to Oklahoma State and ended up wrestling at Oklahoma State. So the family packed up and we moved up to Stillwater from Blackwell, and I wrestled at Stillwater High School, I was in state finals three times, kind of like you, uh, and never won a single single, um, a single tournament. But I was in the <laughs> finals at Oklahoma, so back when we had one division three times and lost three times in the state finals. And uh, so, but I got a scholarship, ended up getting a scholarship to Oklahoma State went to Oklahoma state and uh, my career wasn't as, uh, as illustrious as my brother's two-time all-american NCAA uh, champion and two-time finalist. Uh, I was behind Fred Fozard who ended up being uh, USA's first freestyle world champion. And, uh, and at the weight uh, next to uh, us was uh, Bill Harlow, who was also a, a United States Olympian and two-time NCAA champion. So I, I struggled there at Oklahoma State. Uh, uh, even putting on a uniform, I you know, I wrestled some JV matches and stuff like that. But yep. my uh, my career wasn't going anywhere. Plus, I, uh, my last year, I I blew my knee out and I couldn't. Uh, I was out for a year. And uh, Jack was uh, making money there in Oklahoma. And like I said, my mom was a single mom. We we didn't have much money, so I was I was on spring break when my brother and we we're up in Joplin, Missouri and his tag team partner got hurt, uh, the night before. And so Jack was in the main event, uh, and didn't have a tag team partner. And I was, I'd, I'd traveled with Jack during spring break and summer breaks. And I even got to drive a ring truck, to set up a ring during the summer for a summer job. So, uh, so I, I was around wrestling uh, professional wrestling a little bit, but I didn't know how to do it. Right. So I was sitting in a dressing room talking to my brother and, uh, one of the guys came up, the referee one of the officials that came up and said, Hey Jack, uh uh Gorgeous George Jr., that was Jack's partner, got hurt tonight. You don't have a partner and Jack looked at me and said, Yes I do. My brother'll be my partner I <laughs> uh, what? I don't know how to do. and so uh we got Hodge and we got Jack and a couple other guys showed me how to do a headlock, showed me how to do a takeover. I already knew how to do a take down and they they I I got to do the match on one condition. They made me promise I would not throw a punch or kick anybody. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so, so it was all basically wrestling. So, uh, I I, I, I got my, uh, I, I borrowed a pair of tights from my brother and borrowed a pair of shoes from somebody else and went out and used gear and went out and had a tag team match. And uh, it went great. And the promoter heard about it and he said, Hey, when are you going to start? And I said, well, I kind of need a job now. I'm not doing anything at school. So, uh. So he said, When can you start? So I went home. I was afraid to tell my mom because he she'd beat up my brother and I both I told her <laughs> I was leaving school also she was so upset when Jack left school. So I said, Mom, you know, the old promise, I I got an exit plan, you know, I'll 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 do this for a while and I'll come back. No, I wanted to be a wrestling coach, you know. That was my my dream to be a wrestling coach. And uh and I'll finish school, but I give I my chance to make some money. And he said, well, as long as you give me your word, you'll finish school. And I said, well, I'll try. You know? <laughs> right. And so I took off, and I, I became a pro wrestler. And uh, my exit plan it never did work because 30-some odd, 60, almost 50-some odd years later, this was 1969, 68, 69, 69, I believe it was. I'm still wrestling in 2019, so I'm uh, not wrestling, but working in a yeah. professional wrestling business. So my exit plan did not work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think it played out well. And I, So it's interesting, you know, Nowadays like kids want to grow up and be a superstar and then they become a wrestler because that's the path. It's interesting that you kind of fell into it saying somebody it's like a movie. Hey, I need a tag team partner. Can you fill the boots tonight? And and you actually did it, which which is nuts. And then so what was the transition between taking that match and then when you started with the WWE, was it just a natural progression or was there anything in there, that happened kind of overnight, or was it just a grinder putting the work in?
0: Well, it definitely wasn't overnight. Now, this is 1969 that I, that I filled in for my brother. I started wrestling professionally full time in 1970, I, and I was so so lucky that my brother was 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 talented like he was. He'd already been to Japan and Australia, so when I started, I worked around Oklahoma. You know, making my $25, $20 a night, you know, driving 600 miles round trip for $25, $30. But you got to consider gas was 10 cents a gallon and, you know, a six-pack of beer was 55 cents. So, you know, as long as (laughs) you gas up your tank and gas up your, you get you a six-pack of beer for under a buck, you're okay. So (laughs) that $25 went a long way back then, you know. And even when I was finishing up school, my mom made me, wouldn't let me drop out. I had to finish up the semester I remember one day, kid, I got a shot for you. You'll, you'll make a hundred dollars. A man making a hundred dollars back in nineteen sixty nine, nineteen seventy, and one night was unbelievable. He said, "But the caveat is, you got to go to Fort Smith, Arkansas, Hot Springs, Arkansas, to get it. That's three hundred twenty miles from Stillwater." Wow! And I had a seven a.m. class. And of course I, I was a good boy. I told mom, she said, as long as you're at class in the morning, I don't care. Said, if you're in bed, I'm going to wake you up and you're, you you're, you're going to go to class. I said, okay, I'll make it, but I wanna make this hundred dollars. I got my old Ford Fairlane gassed it up and drove 330 miles one way, collected me a hundred dollars at work that night. Or I, I can't even remember who I wrestled with. Hot Springs, Arkansas, Turned around, got back in my car, got me a six pack of beer and, uh, I nursed that sick back all the way back to Stillwater. Got back to Stillwater about the time the sun was coming up, and uh, went went in, lay down. I four thirty, and about five thirty a.m., six thirty. My mom comes in, wakes me up. Nope, you got to go to class. Seven thirty <laughs> class. I got up, showered, went took my butt to class and everything. So um, it was. It wasn't no quick turnaround. And then I went to Australia and I lived down there for a year. Worked for a promoter down there. Got to go to Japan there four times and. Then I ended up in North Carolina in 1970, I believe it was, or no, yeah, 1971, and worked there for a few years, met my lovely wife there, and then we moved to Florida. And I've been working in and out of Florida for several years, and during the course, you know, Always knew my brother and I always knew that you know you you couldn't do this forever and you gotta you gotta have something to fall back on. We yeah. both left school early, but you know we we weren't no dummies either. So we knew we had to start a business. So uh, we started a couple of businesses and uh, invested in uh, some territories. Back in uh, wrestling organizations were called territories because they were local. you had right. a local territory that you worked out of we worked out of florida georgia and the carolinas three different territories. we kind of rotated around a lot you know and, and, and those three areas there and so um uh both florida and georgia wanted my brother and i to stay so they offered us to purchase stock in their and the company and as a way to get us to stay in that area for uh, for a longer period of time and make better money so we both jumped at the opportunity to be owners, you know, because that we knew that down the line, you know, maybe that's what we wanted to be in. Cause like I said, I drove that ring truck and I remember I, I sold tickets, I made the settlement and I remember the promoter had come up to me and said, okay, put 30% over here to the talent and put 70% over here on this stack over here. that 70% was his stack, you know, so I learned at an early age, you know, where, where, where the most money was going to it. it wasn't going right. to the wrestler. It was going in a promoter's pocket, you know. So I thought, well, this isn't a bad way to go. So we ended up buying bits and shares of different wrestling, Georgia and Florida. But the one in Georgia is the main one. Is that we we bought, uh, we bought uh, we had between the two of us, about 25%. And there was a couple other guys at Paul Jones at Old Time wrestled from Purdue years ago. Uh, uh he, he owned he owned that twenty five percent. So we figured if we get him and us and another guy, we'd have a controlling interest. So Georgia was a great place. We we were breaking loose back in uh back in uh, when WTBS the super station when cable yep. was really busting open and cable T V was was the thing, you know, it was it was uh, it was the greatest thing for, for for television, for entertainment ever. So uh, we ended up controlling the, um, the Georgia, Georgia territory with, with, uh, with the, uh, with a voting proxy of, of, of old Paul Jones and my brother, and myself and one other partner. And so it got to the time where, okay, we need, uh, we need to expand, but the, the loyalties to the, to the other promoters in the NWA was so tight that nobody wanted that superstation was going everywhere and people were sending, their top talent to us in Georgia, so we could use our TV time to promote other promote other other guys' talent. And uh, my brother and I started talking. Hey, man, you know all these guys. You know why don't we we need to go bigger? We need to be in these places instead of creating right. other stars. Let's create our own stars and go to go to their places. But our partners didn't want to do that. This was at the same time that Vince Jr. was taking over his dad's. Uh, Promotion. Okay. Well, Vince Jr. had the same vision that we had, and so uh, you know, we 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 did the proper thing because we were loyal NWA. We went around and we offered NWA uh, members our shares and and Georgia Championship Wrestling, and uh, you know, uh, to sell and because we 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 wanted that. We saw the writing on the wall that Vince was going to go uh, globally. Yep. And we're going to get stuck behind no matter what vehicle we had. But Vince also saw that WTBS, uh, Georgia as, as the main vehicle for his product to, to go nationally and, and, uh,
1: internationally.
0: So he wanted that. So one day we were in Jim Crockett jr's office and Roddy Piper had already jumped to WWF at the time I worked for Vance and. We'd heard that he, he severed his finger and might have to have his fingers amputated. So Roddy was a good friend of everybody there. So we're in Crockett's uh, office and Jack said, let's call Vince and see if uh, Piper's okay. And Crockett said, I don't want to call that ass. he's trying to steal my, my territory. I'm, I'm not going to call him. So Jack said, do you mind if I call him, find out how Piper is? He said, if you want to call him, call him. So Jack picked up the phone, called Vince jr. And during that's how Piper was, and Piper was going to be okay. Vince had got him a specialist, and they saved his fingers and all that stuff. So, but in the conversation, uh, Vince said, "Jack, can you talk?" And he said, "No." And he said, "Well, just listen." He said, I, I, "He said I understand you guys are shopping your 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 shares around for Georgia Championship. Would you would you be interested in talking to me?" And Jack said, "Yes." He said, "Well, when you leave the leave when uh, you get home and you're in a private place, give me a call and we'll talk." So great. So we hung up the phone and uh, Piper's okay and we finished our business there at Cronkis' office and we went to Jack's apartment and we immediately called Vince. The next Thursday we just happened to be off. We were in Richmond, Tennessee uh, on or on uh, Norfolk, Tennessee on Wednesday and we were all on our Thursday and we were off on that next day. So Vince flew us from Virginia up to uh, New York and we met with Vince and uh, back in there was Eastern Airlines. We met in one of their VIP conference rooms and we worked out a deal. a Gentlemen's agreement, handshake agreement. Nothing ironclad. That yep. that we would sell events, and uh, and uh, so the negotiations. What you got to realize, there was no internet anymore. I doubt if we could have kept it a secret. But uh, even back then, it was hard to keep a secret in thing, But we didn't trust anybody, and we didn't tell anybody because yep. what we were doing was getting ready to change a lot of people's lives and and really the, the, the entire business as, as as they knew it back in the seventies. And so we finally worked out a deal, it took us about six, seven months to do it. But we finally did. And we made to sell events and, uh, and we both retired from the, from the money we got from selling the stock. And, uh, so uh, Jack permanently retired and I, I was only like 35 years old. And I, I was too young to retire, you know, and I yeah. wanted to do something. So Vince called me and asked me if I wanted to do some promotional work for him, cause I knew the South and I said, sure. So. So I thought I was just going to promote Tampa area because I was living here. I ended up promoting nine states for him, and they all—all the the states and all the markets I did were doing super. So uh, I I really got over with him because I was making him a lot of money. So uh, uh, they changed the pay method on the independent promoters on what they were paying the percentages and everything, and I got a little upset. So I called Vance. I said, Vance. I, I I can't work for your new you know do new deal. We we need to do something different. They said, Well, I've been thinking about you. Uh, you doing something different anyway. Would you like to come up and uh, work in the office with me and help me with creative and help me with uh with the company? And I said, As long as I don't have to move to Connecticut, I'll do it. And <laughs> so we we worked out a deal. I wasn't going to move to Connecticut. And I, at base, I almost lost my job once because I told him. The only thing good in Connecticut is I ninety five south, and he <laughs> didn't like my humor. <laughs> and while I told him people from Florida don't move to Connecticut, people from Connecticut move to Florida. Right? You know, he just didn't like my logic. But anyway, he liked me, and I ended. Up, I've been with him thirty five years since. So I've say I've held various positions from a local promoter to matchmaker to a problem solver to whatever whatever role I needed to cover. up. I did what Vince didn't want to do.
1: Makes sense. So you so you only you retired quote unquote from actually in ring competition in the 80s became in the in the back office. Was was that a natural progression to the role you play now of talent scout? Like what was that path like?
0: Uh, well, the talent scout is something you know that, that you, you always thought. And I got I got a, a letter that I'll, I'm going to I'm going to give to Triple H that I I, have, I wrote to Vince in 1995 or 94. I forgot. I don't know the exact date on it, but the letter that I proposed the system that I proposed. Is is an exact system of NXT where we not only train wrestlers, but we're training TV technicians, we're training uh, 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 commentators, we're training everything. I did a proposal in 1995 and sent to Vince McMahon
2: at,
0: here in Florida at the old Florida office, the Sportatorium, buy the Sportatorium and turn it into a training school because we knew all the all the territory what well, I described earlier about the territories, all yeah. of them were going dry. In the eighties we could cherry pick because our business was so good and then and the local uh territories business were sucking because we were taking over and everybody wanted to see us. So we we could cherry pick all the talent. Now we're now this is 1981, 83, 84, when you know, 85 when we first started started WWE with Vince Jr. Yep. as as we know it today. And so by the by the mid 90s, all those territories were drying up. And when the territories dry up, what else dries up? Talent, pools, yep. right? You don't have any talent out there running around that you can cherry pick. Go and say, yeah, "This guy's over and." and uh, in minneapolis i want him and they will pay an extra amount of money or this guy's big in dallas and i want i want to pay him an extra amount of money we'd run out of those guys because we'd already have them all so we had to start worrying about what are we going to do to create our own, our own from now on so
1: uh
0: that's hence that and we it was me bruce pritchard jr and pat patterson we all had to sit down and write a proposal where are we going to get our talent in the future. How are we going to get our talent? How are we going to make our talent in the future? I never saw their letters, but I still got my letter. So I, I, I can, I can back up my story up. So I come up with that method of, you know, having a, having your own facility and you know, your own training facility, not only train the wrestlers, but train all your auxiliary people along with it there. So, uh, so this is, this is, it, it was, a. It, being a talent scout, we had no such thing as a talent scout. And I, I'd found Hogan, but I found him accidentally. And I found a couple of like Kevin Nash, uh, you know, it's yep. unknown. it's not unknown that I found him, but I was a friend with a building manager through my promotion. Then I was a building manager in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, Kevin had just finished playing basketball at Tennessee and didn't make it professionally because of, uh, he had an injury and so he was a bouncer at a strip bar in Atlanta and this building manager happened to go in there and meet Kevin and he says, Hey man, you, you, you ever thought about wrestling? I know, I know one of the guys are, that, uh, that's higher up. He might be able to help you and Kevin. So I'd like to talk to him. So it's Mike Oceans, the guy's name He's the manager of the Omni, old Omni there in, in Atlanta. So, uh, Mike sent me uh, back in. He faxed me a picture of uh, Kevin. Kevin had just done a Mr. Georgia bodybuilding contest, and he looked like, uh, looked like a good guy. And I never will forget the day when I got the picture where we were going to Pensacola, Florida, and Hulk Hogan had chartered a plane from Tampa to Pensacola and asked if I wanted to fly on the plane. I said, sure. So I had that fax with him, and I showed that fax to Terry on the way up there, Terry being Hulk he said, damn, looks like you found another holster. And I said, well, I'm hoping so. And he said, well, you're trying to run me out already? I said, no, but you got to look at the future. So I'd recruited Kevin Nash and, you know, a couple other guys along the way without ever even doing it. And I would always go to the national tournaments. If I'd see somebody at the national tournament I liked, I would always try to make contact with one of the coaches. And even back then, you know, I was still – a lot of my, uh, teammates like Bobby Douglas and Sudaki Hara, and those guys there that I wrestled school with, they, they were still active in coaching, so I would, I would I always had an end to the coaching side of the deal where I could talk to guys where other people couldn't. So like, like with Jay Robinson, Jay and I were recruited on the, in the same recruiting class at Oklahoma state. So when Brock came along. Jay and I worked out a deal where I wouldn't talk to Brock during during his junior year because Jay was afraid he would leave and not come back for his <laughs> senior year. So Jay made me promise I wouldn't talk to him until he was a senior. And I had to give him my word that Jay Jay in return said, oh, that after he wins the national and a senior year, I'll have him in here and I'll ha- also have a bonus for you here. And I said if, you, he said, if you won't talk to him until then. I said, I give him my word, Jay. And he said, and a week after the national tournament, Jay Robinson called me and he had, uh, rock leather in the office. And I said, well, what's my bonus? And he said, I got Sheldon Benjamin here too. Said, Who's that? <laughs> well, Sheldon turned out to probably one of the best athletes that ever joined the WWE. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: yeah, for sure. So I got
0: two for one because of Jay ben you know, Jay and I been in the same recruiting class at Oklahoma state. So, but to see, even we didn't have a talent, uh, recruitment department as such, so. And as time went on, you know, J.R. and I started really talking about where we're going to get this say on the, uh, and J.R. said, what, what, have you ever thought about what you're going to do when you get out of business? I said, well, Jr., I said, I've done a pretty good job finding the talent. I said, you know, that's just, um, it's a natural field out there for us. You know, I'd like to be a talent scout. He said, that's not bad. So we, 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 we kind of sit down and plan that out, you know? So I started having health issues and, the and, uh. In the, in the mid 90s, and, and so I had to get off the road where I couldn't do the producing job anymore. So, uh, so uh, my doctor said, You can't travel like that anymore. And I said, Well, can I travel some? And he said, Yeah. So, I called Vince. I said, Vince, I can't, you know, I've, I've got to quit. He said, You're not quitting nothing. He said, What do you want to do? I said, I don't know. And he said, Well, you and your wife sit down, talk, and see what you can do and clear it with your doctor. So, started thinking about it a little bit and all of a sudden that conversation with a good old jr popped in my head about talent scout down the line yeah. so i sent vance a little business of a proposal you know about being a talent scout and i immediately got a uh, response back to him when do you want to start i said well this was i think in september i said well wrestling season starts in november he said uh Send me your schedule and I'll, 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 I'll stamp it and you go get us who you need to get and go where you need to go. So, they've been good to me. They've sent me down to Rio to the Olympics. They sent me to Paris, you know, for the World Championships. Yeah. And uh, uh, we we're scouting now. Now we got like five guys in the scouting department, you know, wow. which is a department now. <laughs> so it, it's growing like so- crazy, but.
1: And I'm so interested, too. So, like, three different questions from that. One, so guys like Brock Lesnar and, and Shelton Benjamin, they weren't interested in WWE until you approached them, and then that's the, hey, why don't you guys try this? Like, that was more the route they took?
0: It wasn't that they weren't interested. They just didn't know the process of getting yeah. to it. They were both both interested, very interested, as soon as they found out. But uh, there was, we had no, no, you know, there was no internet. I mean, you know, right. we're going back, you know, just, you know, you know, there was no Facebook, no, no Twitter, no Instagram, none of that stuff. So there was no, no, no way to show your interest in it for somebody wanted to do it there, I've run across a lot of guys, man, if I'd only known, you know, that there was an opportunity, I would have done that, right. you know? <laughs> but, but now I'm out there and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty outgoing and I know, I still know a lot of coaches and a lot of people and everything and I you know I'm out there promoting our product and You know, it's an option. I sell it as an option. It's not for everybody. And then, you know, a lot of guys, I think, you know, uh, they they can't do it. You know, they get down here, we bring them down to NXT for a tryout and either the verbal skills or something is lacking in them, you know, the the, the charisma and that, and it's not all their fault because we're taught, like I said, I started at six years old and we're all taught, you know, have respect when you leave, you know, have respect for yourself and all this stuff, you know, and, uh. And, you know, don't 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 make an exhibit of yourself on a mat. You know, and that's what always frustrated me. These kids win. And nowadays ESPN and Flow Wrestling. Flow Wrestling has done so much to bring the backstage element right. and to build emotional attachment to these kids than ever before. And before that, you never got a chance to see the emotion of these kids after they won a national title. You know, right. all these days are uh, running to the back. That's right. the biggest disgrace, biggest disservice to our sport that ever, but Flow wrestling come along and open up that backstage. Now you can see these kids' emotion, and you know they're so good at getting these kids right there and right there and ask them those you know, those, those hot questions that these kids. You can see their emotion, you can see their passion, and 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 as a promoter and as an entertainer, I can tell when these kids are talking. You know, hey man, the. Some of the best, you know, that that kid uh, from uh, Rutgers a couple of years ago cut the greatest promo I ever heard in my life. You know, <laughs>
1: there's some great ones. And, Bo uh, Nickel had a great one a couple of years ago. I think it was yeah, last Bo year. Had a great, great, one. great yeah, promo. I had, yeah,
0: and and a lot of a lot of them do, you know. But still, my my favorite one, and it was on a Big Ten Network. Might as well give my uh, my lace up, buddy. Jim Gibbons a, a big great plug, and uh, Sean uh, Sparks, I think, was AES, hey, he a kid from Iowa. About winning the Big Ten and about his mother, and he said, "You know, uh, growing a mother is about like winning a Big Ten championship. It don't happen overnight, you know." Right uh, to me, that was the greatest line I've ever heard in amateur wrestling.
1: Yeah, that was a great one. That was uh, Sammy Brooks, I believe, after he won. Yeah, okay, Brooks, whoever was one of those Iowa kid. I, yeah, <laughs> so I'm, a, I'm an <laughs> So we'll continue with this guy, but one more question, real quick, about this—just this path. So you have health issues in in the mid nineties. You, you stop kind of traveling. But then there was that time after the infamous Montreal screw job. You're you're on TV, and then you then you have like a three year run. Like what led to you wanting to be back in in the front lines, being on TV and being on the front? I'm imagine you had to start traveling again. Uh-huh.
0: That was totally an accident, and, and 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 what a great time! It was the greatest time I ever had in, in my in the business because you know it was completely uh, different from what my personality is, and right. And, the, and being a being a student, I could do no wrong. Uh, the, the The more mistakes I made with my <laughs> with my verbiage and uh, and uh, and the more 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 I made of myself, the the more over we got with the people, and and the first two segments we run, all of a sudden we you know we get minute by minute, by minute ratings. We'd look in those ratings, and and our segment, Pat and I, when we do that say the ratings would, would spike at that time. And uh, hey, you know this thing is getting over. You know it wasn't planned. It was just something that we we needed. I think it was over Stone Cold, and we had yep. had a board of directors meeting, and Pat and I were on the board of directors that you know so-called full board of directors uh at that time you know for for tv reason and we had a little private meeting and Vince said all right you guys take care of business you know and all of a sudden we were attached to Vince as as vent's stooges you know and uh, it was just totally an accident but it started building and building and and uh pat hated it but i loved it because (laughs) i was having a good time with it because it was Totally opposite of how, how how my personality is, and I enjoyed doing it. I'd go back and do it again if I could.
1: So it was all accidental. Like you're you're on TV. I, I remember watching. Like that's when I got into pro wrestling. I remember yeah. I remember you like ushering HBK to the back, and yeah. then I remember you you were on TV regularly after that. Like that was I don't know. It was infamous. But, uh, it
0: wasn't. Uh, you know that, that 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 was just strictly for protection and getting Shawn the hell away from the ring. You know, right. It it had nothing to do with At that time we weren't even stooges. I mean, I wasn't even on screen character. at that time. Right. You know, I was, I was, I was, I was someone Vince trusted to do something. Like I said, I did what Vince didn't want to do. Yep. And so, uh, the post production meeting that we had, uh, for, for that event, uh, I was asked to stay afterward by Vince and have a private meeting with him, and I wondered what, how have I screwed up, and why am I getting fired, you know? <laughs> right. And then he laid it out to me what he had in mind and asked me if I thought we could pull it off. And I said, yeah. And he said, well, you're the guy that's going to do it, Dan. Congratulations <laughs> in your hands. So. Wow. He He gave me the ball, and I ran with it. So my deal, when I ran out there, it wasn't, wasn't for me to be on air. It was for me to help Sean get the hell out of there before those, those crazy Montreal fans come down and beat the crap out of it. Right. They were on the verge of doing that. So, and I don't know, I think I picked it up. There's even, even my voice. I went in there and we're going toward the back. Sean, put that belt over your head because they were throwing that chair and everything yeah. else they could throw at us. So I wanted him to protect us. I said, put that belt over your head. That even came up in a trial, I had its testimony. I had to do, why did you tell Sean that? I said, cause I didn't want him to get knocked out and they have to carry him <laughs> out. So I want him to cover right. his head up with that belt. But, so, but, uh, we got him out of there and, um, and, uh, and uh, that's how, that's what I mean. And then, you know, I was closely associated with events because word got out that I was the guy that orchestrated uh, the, the, the set up there. And then, uh, then when when it's own code came along we had to have somebody to feed Vince to, so uh me and Pat were the the guys there because we were the close close associates with Vince and it only made sense that he and I be out there with him. So it was just a pure accident. It really was. I mean I'd like to say, yeah, we sit down, we brainstorm, we, we come up <laughs> with this thing and it just clicked like crazy. But it was just one of those things that just happened to get over and our personalities just uh happened to to click with the audience out there, and we become the Stooges. <laughs> and,
1: and it was per- it was perfect. Like, you you literally can't write that stuff. Like it's just it was such a natural good thing, and it lasted three years. I mean, it definitely w- was three a- damn
0: years. Believe that. I mean, and I, I I tell you a funny thing about it. I was doing I was doing volunteer coaching because both my kids are are, are high school wrestlers. And I'd walk into these gyms, and my wrestler they really had a ball with me because they—they would all form a circle around me because all these other kids and and parents and uh, referees and everybody was wanting my autograph, and I was a damn volunteer coach. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and then my kids, they Mister Briscoe, don't worry, we're, we're, we're your protection. Like we go to these tournaments, you know how you set up my bleachers, you know they—they they, they had kids sitting all around me to saw people coming up to me what do you want from me you know mr briscoe is all right if they take a picture with you or something like that that's <laughs> sure You know, but my kids loved my my wrestlers loved it you know and they were they were they were along for the ride with me which i really enjoyed taking
1: them along with it you know
0: but the only thing they gave they gave me grief about was when i had to dress up in, in a dress
1: <laughs> that was uh that was the drag at what king of the ring i want to say right King of the Ring, he's
0: acting yeah. in Boston Mass, I'll never forget that. Yeah. I hated that, and that was Michael P.S. Hayes' idea. He blames it on Vince, but I blame it on him.
1: Yeah, it went over great. So, after the three years in that, then it seems like you kind of transitioned back into into the, the back office, talent scouting. What was that like, going back into talent scouting? And did you Were you excited to get kind of back behind the scenes? Yeah,
0: it gave me time to really focus on that because when you, when you're on air talent, you know, we're doing things live. I mean, you, you, you might be in the middle of, you know, planning out the strategy for, for, you know, live pay-per-view and all of a sudden you got to go on air. So you got to leave these two guys in the middle of a strategy session and lose your train of thought and all of a sudden switch that switch and start thinking, okay, what have I got to do for, you know, for my segment here? So after I got after I after we finished off of the run as the stooges and I was able to focus backstage, I, I it was it was so much better because I had time to really do my job then.
1: Yeah, and it was you can tell you have a passion for that too. I mean, being on their talent, I can't imagine how how much fun that is. So talk to me a little bit about you know it's interesting because doing what I do in marketing. It's different worlds, but I'm constantly watching these kids because I want to help them when they get out of college with, with websites and, and growing their brand and social media and all that. So I'm constantly watching for who I think is going to be a star, who's going to have a big brand. W- what do you look for? Is, is it just a plethora of things? Like you're looking for size, how you speak – one of the negatives I'd say, I guess, about NCAA wrestling is there's no there are no interviews. You know, like you said, Flow Wrestling does a great job now and ESPN, these guys do a great job now, but especially in the early two thousands, as you're transitioning back into the scouting, there all you can really go by is matches. Like how were you discover somebody like to discover somebody, you know, like like Brock Lesnar or Shelton Benjamin or any of these guys, what aside from size or mass or anything else, like what do you look for in that?
0: Well, that, that's a great question. I sure wish somebody would write me a book on that. And maybe I should write one on it. And you know, I don't know what I'm looking for. People ask me, to, what do you look for Briscoe? But you know, I don't know what it is, but when I see a guy, I know, I know, I know there's just that feel about it. But you know, the obvious thing like I can I sit here and tell you, it's the obvious thing you look for somebody, first thing you look for is size, you know, but everybody's not blessed to be a beast like Brock Lesnar, but uh, right. You know, there's the Kurt Angles out there. You know, the, the five foot 5'11", uh, foot guys, the 210, 20-pounders, yeah. uh, uh, you know, that that would load. I used to kid of Ben Astor. I was after Ben Astor. for me. I saw Ben, uh, you know, he wrestled the first national finals, and I, I said, man, I want that guy. I remember sitting there in that St. Louis auditorium, my uh, kill auditorium. All of a sudden, Astrid come up, and I didn't know Astrid because I didn't really, uh, honestly, I didn't follow the middle weights at that time like yeah. I do now. I follow all the weights now because I, I'm a fan, you know, and uh, I love it. So back then, I was just looking at the bigger weights. So I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, I heard this roll come up, and I see this kid coming out with a Big Afro. Who in the hell is this?
2: I see Ben <laughs>
0: walk out, and I see the crib man, that guy. I and I, I always tell Ben, uh, and ben, ben laughs about it every time we see each other. Remember when you approached me? I said, Ben, if you are a foot taller and weighed another fifty pounds, I'd make you a millionaire. i said, well, you already a millionaire. <laughs> <you know>? so, <laughs>
1: right?
0: But he—he he just had—he had it, you know. If if he if he would have been side or anywhere, Kirkside or anywhere in the and the nineties, you know, I would I would have had him, you know. And 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 Ben Ben was a great guy, a great kid to deal with. But uh, I. He, I just look for, I look for guys that's got a little, you know, six foot two, six foot three. That's the ideal height really for these guys. I mean, we like them taller of course yep. and, and we like them shorter also, but, uh, you know, and then I, I, I watch them in the tournament. If I, if I'm going out, I'm getting ready to go out to the, to the, I think it's a Roadrunner uh, classic out in, uh, in uh, uh, Bakersfield in a, in a few weeks. Yeah. And it's a bunch of West Coast towns, and I never get to see a lot of these West Coast schools and a lot of smaller schools. And but uh, I've seen guys, uh, you know, that uh, I, I see them walk to the mat, and if, if I like what I see, then I'll watch them during the tournament. I watch how they communicate with their teammates. I watch the, the interaction with them and the coaches. I watch the calls. I watch their facials uh, when they get bad calls and the reaction uh, uh, in their face. I watch it when they. They get, they get beat on how they respond, if they're babies and rubs over their headgears and, you know, yeah. blaming their buy and point fingers or, you know, or their demeanor after that. I, just, I watch personality a lot, and then I, I start talking to the coaches or if I see somebody from their team, a parent or something like that, you get so much information from parents sitting in those, in those places. is unbelievable. Right. I mean I can get somebody's life story just sitting next to somebody. Right. And one kid I recruited, a Division Three kid. I actually I come in, I sit down in this tournament. It was out in uh, uh Poblo, Colorado, I remember exactly what it was. Just happened to sit down, walk down, I was running late, sit down, uh, the, the big boys are getting ready to come on and uh, and the uh, the heavyweights are lined up and there's this there's a line of the line of heavyweights and at the end of the line this six foot seven guy with least blonde hair. Had on purple. And I just noticed people next to me had on purple. And I looked, and I said, <laughs> you know who that kid down there? Yeah, that's our son. Why? And I said, well, I'm from the WWE. Well, you gotta be kidding. He loves the WWE, <laughs> you know? And just, you know, I sit there talking, well, how about this kid? And they, the parents, they know, they know the life stories and the, the, the pluses and minuses on every one of these kids, you know, so I just sit there and I BS in the, I BS in those bleachers. I find out all the information I want. If I need more information, I usually know a contact to the coach and I call the coach and we talk a little bit and the coach will tell me yeah or day on the, on the citizenship part of it. And, uh. And then we're off and running, you know, but it's just a plethora of things that you look for. And it's just not, not one thing that you look for, you know, I mean, I've seen guys with great height and great weight and great skills that had zero presence on the, uh, on the microphone. And I don't want to say his name, but you can probably put it together. Cause you've been a fan of while. Yep. There was this monster from Michigan state a few years ago that looked like he could be another Brock Lesnar. Yep. Put a microphone in front of him, and we're lucky to get his name out of him. <laughs> and so, of course, he couldn't make it, you know. He didn't make it. Yeah. And he blamed everybody else but himself, you
1: know. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, too. I'd imagine, I mean, you, you've you been scouting, in essence, since the, the 90s. So, I mean, 20 years of it. I'm, I'm sure you've seen the progression. What has what the progression been like on both, you know, from, from your side – you have the internet now to to use at your advantage, but what is it like on the other side? I mean, now kids are growing up the number of kids that literally are like really, really young kids and they want to be the next John Cena. They want to be the next undertaker. They, they want to, they want to be a superstar. Have you noticed the desire in being a WWE superstar going up because of how big it has, has gone?
0: Yes I've noticed the 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 uh, uh progression of that and and the uh and the perception of the WWE has just improved so much in uh in the last few years because of our exposure and because of, of what we've turned into and uh, we're not in competition with, with NCAA wrestling or, or right. USA wrestling. We're We're entertainment. And I tell the guys, you know, we're strictly entertainment and, and you know, it's not about winning and losing. It's about putting asses in seats. That's right. all we care about. We don't care what your record was in college or in, in international. We care if you got the personality to put an ass in that seat and that's all we care about. And, uh, but, uh, but the perception and, and, and the great thing about it is I look around a lot of these coaches are your age and they grew up in that attitude there. So when right. I show up, I'm, I'm showing them I'm not as just another fan or another businessman. And, and uh, they know my background. They know I came from the same background. They did. You know, they know I came from a, a nationally recognized program that was successful. And uh, I, I've been around six so, I had teammates with Yojo to Yutaki, which I think was the greatest college wrestler of all time. and, and some of some of the all time greats. You know, I was in the same race. I shared a wrestling room with those guys, and so coaches know that. So they know I'm not going to BS them. They, they trust me. I gain their trust. And uh, the perception of our business now is is not 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 the old the old greasy old guys that, you know the old carny hackers and stuff like that. We're looked upon now as athletes and entertainers, and and uh, and that's up grew to. To the hard work of our of our current talent and and the guys that we come in so the perception of us is is not like it used to be and it, it's you know, i wouldn't say it it's easier but it, it you know you mentioned wwe and then used to I, guys would turn their heads and you know put their noses up now oh yeah that's, i'll i'll watch you know i I've watched, i you know, I wouldn't right. wouldn't say I'm a fan, but I've watched, I'm aware of it. You know, well, have you ever thought about doing it? No, I didn't know there was an opportunity, you know. So it goes back to to opening that door to letting people know and people like you let, that that interviewed you, me, and Jason Bryant that's become a friend of mine, and other Kyle Klingman, all these guys and flow wrestling crew. Yep. They're all out there and if they see somebody, they're always calling me, and, Hey Briscoe or send me a text, hey Briscoe, have you seen this guy? You know, yep. so I rely on you guys. I rely on the on the on the on the amateur media. I don't say amateur media, but the uh, no, media coverage covers coverage. Please, at wrestling, I, I I rely on you guys because you guys are out there and you know the personalities and you guys see their 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 habits and their their demeanors at, at tournaments and see if they're good citizens. And I and I, I that's the third time I said the citizenship. Our guys now. Uh, you mentioned John Cena. He's the number one guy in the entire world on Make a Wish Foundation right. grants. You know, I mean that, that's unbelievable. You know, here here's a professional wrestler, he's the number one guy in the world, entire world, over soccer players, race car drivers, everything, every other kind of athlete in the world. More kids are requesting him. Why? Because of the exposure. Right. Well, I had a kid uh, a couple of years ago, wanted to be a spokesman. Cause he's got, had a, had, had a, had a disease. I want to be smoking. I said, well, you want to be a spokesman in front of 75,000 people or 75 million people, we can help you get in front of 75 million people to, to, to fight your battle and to get you exposure for, for your cause. Right. You know, that's, that's the opportunity that, that we present. Look at all of our, all of our guys now that have become major movie stars, you know? They're john Cena Dave Batista, you know uh dwayne Johnson, <laughs> yeah, I mean i mean we are we we're 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 producers look at us our our talents all right, they've already been in front of big people, uh, big audiences they they're not they're not intimidated, they've been in front of the camera, so they're not intimidated by the cameras, they've been in front of superstars, so we're they're not intimidated by other superstars in the movie, so you know we, we, got it licked. We, 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 we set these guys on, on, on a good, good trajectory to a great great after, after, uh, 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 wrestling career also. So we have a lot to offer, not only in the ring, but the opportunities that come from having the exposure. Now we're on, 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 on broadcast TV, on Fox network, you know, and that we're even exposed to a greater audience now. And, uh, and the perception is out there. We're advertised on every every uh, every major event in the world now. So uh, because we're on Fox TV, so it's just if you have a call that you want to do, if you have a have have a commitment that you want you want to you want to you want fulfill, the door is for WWE is an opportunity. A lot of these college kids that that's wide open that that they can, you can take a look at. And I always tell them to have an exit plan like mine, but mine lasted a little bit longer. <laughs> I'll right. take it one of these
1: days, but. Have you noticed, too, that it's does it get easier in, let's say, 2019, 2020 to scout talent because of how popular WWE is? Like, I imagine it gets a little bit easier and you can kind of have more talent to work with and you're not forced to take somebody on who's maybe not that great, but you need the talent. Like, I imagine there's such a plethora. Because like you said, guys my age and guys that grew up in the attitude era, like you walk in with with such clout, you walk in with such respect and admiration that you're getting your phone, your, your calls answered, you're getting your text answered, you're getting in any door you want. Do you notice that it gets easier because you have more of a plethora of talent available?
0: uh yeah i wouldn't say it's getting easier because of, i think it's getting easier because of the work and the, and because people are getting to know me and yeah. uh, they they kind of use me as as, as an example of, hey if he's like this and he's one of their execs you know they must have good people working for them, and yeah. i and i take pride in that you know and, uh, and i always try to present myself in a respectful way that uh that I don't do anything to embarrass number one, myself, because yeah. I, I I come from that background and, and I, I want to be welcome in that background. And I am that two years ago, I was named outstanding American in Florida chapter of the national wrestling, uh, Hall of Fame So I take a lot of pride you know, on my background and coaches know that. And, uh, they know I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna if, if I, if I have a guy, I mean, Carrie McCoy is a great friend of mine. He had a kid and I said, Carrie, I'll give him a tryout because you recommended him. But yep. I don't think he can make it. And he came down there and he gave he gave it to old college try and a kid guy did a good job. But once again it was just that he was lacking that one special deal, that verbal skills, and he just didn't have the talent to make it, you know. And so I had to call him and I say he's you know, his verbal skills let him down, you know. And so
1: Yeah.
0: It's not for everybody.
1: And that that's kinda of one of but my that final one
0: guy is for is the he can he can he can do whatever he wants to with it.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of one of my final questions for you is if there's somebody listening right now who they want to be a WWE superstar, they know they want to. What is it that you think they should work on? Or you know, it sounds like there's a pattern of people who don't have the vocal skills. Is that would you say something that people should really work on if they have you know some of the more obvious traits like work on your vocal skills?
0: I'm gonna tell you something right now that and you can ask anybody and. and, uh, I got a lot of kids I brought in from D two and D three and they, they didn't quite make it, but you know, what? I see now I see well, I'm really proud because it just goes to the character of the kid that I, I, I try to recruit. I see that I see more and more of the kids that I brought in for tryouts down on the floor coaching now than, than I ever have before. Cause I've, I've, I've been doing it now for eight, nine years. And so there's a lot more, but they're, they're coaching. So I tell you they were a good quality of kids, but, uh, but the basic thing of of it is um, is is uh, I is, uh, and you can ask anybody that I've ever recruited on, on my on my final emails that I bombard them that last week before they go to our, last month before they go to camp I bombard them with emails and text messages cardio 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 promo 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 I tell everybody. You, you're an athlete. I know you're an athlete. You're an All-American or you're a national champion or you're on a collegiate wrestling team. That means you're an athlete. That, that don't mean you're, you're stumbling, bumbling, fool. You know, you can't, can't, no coordination. It means you're an athlete. So I'm not worried about that part. The part that I'm worried about, uh, you do that for two and a half days. Then that last half a day you're there, you got one hour uh, that we, we devote we give you the microphone and we give you 60 seconds. You can stumble and bumble a little bit out there on that mat. And we can, we can attribute that to nervousness and, and stuff like that. And, and you don't know, you know, the feel of our ring, and it's totally different. You ought to see some of these guys come in. I'm going to jump off the subject here just for a second here, but, uh, the rope, the ropes are the biggest biggest fear that I've ever seen in these All Americans national champions, and even even football NFL. We have NFL football players come in. They're afraid to hit those damn ropes. They're afraid they're gonna get go through them. I said, hey, we got the big show. He's six foot eight, four hundred some pounds. He hits those damn ropes, and very seldom have they ever broken. You know, and uh, you hitting them is not gonna break them. So, right. They they tiptoe to the ropes, you know. I said, "Don't do it like a like a, you know." I say something I should not say, you know, to, <laughs> and insult them. Yep. And then so uh, to get them mad, so the next time I hit the rope, they'll hit the damn ropes, you know. But uh, anyway, I tell them, you know, you 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 can screw up out there in that ring because we can attribute it to something. But we're going to give you that microphone one minute. That's the most important one minute that you'll ever have when you're trying out for a job with the wwe so what i want you to do is find your favorite guy whether it be randy orton Triple h or john cena or or daniel bryan or any of these guys and listen to their their promo what's their facial expressions what's their 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 pitch their their deflections of the voices you know Watch how they react when they get booed, you know their facials when they get booed, or what's their reaction? Watch their comeback watch watch it when they get cheered, watch how they pause Watch what's the lapses in them and study their 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 rhythm of of their speech don't don't you don't have to watch them wrestle or work because you're not that good and you won't you won't copy that, but you can copy their 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 style of interview study promos. Promo, 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 and study. Study if you got a favorite. If you don't, just go online, and and, and you, you, can, you can find one, and and watch several of them until you find somebody that, that you think you identify with and uh, study their style of speaking. And it's the guys that get that microphone that make the money.
1: Yeah. No, for sure. Wow. Well, listen, I could talk wrestling with you for hours, but I'm going to go let you enjoy that Florida weather. We will talk soon. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show. I hope we run across each other at one of these tournaments, man. Yeah, listen, I'll I'll be at NCAAs. I'll be at the Big Ten, so dinner on me.
0: Okay, you got it, man.
1: What a guy. Jerry Briscoe, you are welcome back on this podcast anytime. Ladies and gentlemen, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Send us some feedback. Let us know what you're thinking. This was such a blast. I'm definitely going to see what I can do to bring on more WWE guys, especially fun with the NCAA Olympic wrestling crossover. Let me know what you guys think, though. Shoot me a message. My name is Justin Bash, and you just listened to the Bashamania podcast. And the beat goes on.